Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Clients come to you because they know, like, and trust you. And what it all comes down to is your area of expertise and what you can do for them. That's actually what clients care about after all. And a huge part of that is your pricing. And I think too often salons are afraid to put their price up or feel nervous when it comes to establishing a pricing structure because they feel scared of what their clients will say or what people will think. But actually it comes down to your area of expertise. And if it's established clearly and you're known as the best at what you do, then you're worth charging, most likely more than you do now. And the right clients will recognize that and pay that. In this episode, I'm chatting with the lovely Christina from Color Christina, Color Christina Talks podcast, where I'm chatting all about how to price your salon services. And when it comes to pricing, it's all about believing your own value, how knowing how to charge for the skills that you and your team uh, have with a clear pricing structure that ultimately will lead to success. So let's connect with Christina where she is actually interviewing me in this particular episode. Enjoy. Several students always ask me about every single new technique that they're taught. How would we charge for that? It's a question that I get asked in every location I've ever taught and something that sparks to mind as soon as hairdressers learn something new. And I find So many hairdressers are commenting in forums and Facebook groups about pricing. It seems to be one of the hottest topics in our industry always because it can be coming a little bit confusing or people aren't sure how to charge for things when new products come out, which is why I reached out to an expert to help our listeners know how to price their services in the salon. We will also chat in this interview about when it's a good time to raise your prices and how to do this, plus tips to feel less awkward around pricing and to start feeling more empowered to know how to do this. Today's guest is Larissa McLeman. She is a coach and CEO of Salon Owners Collective. Larissa helps salon owners step into their role of salon CEO and grow rockstar teams. She helps them to lead them to smash their sales targets, earn powerful profits, and attract and retain their dream clientele. So if you're ready to create a strategic plan for you to grow your business to become highly scalable and profitable without the overwhelm or overworking and gain back a little freedom for the other part of your life, this interview is an absolute must listen episode. I'm aware that many of our listeners are also, they're self-employed, they're freelancers, there's salon owners listening, plus all stages of hairdressing from apprentices and trainees right up to our experienced leaders in the industry. So we're going to aim to share hot tips for all of you 
to know your worth and reach for your financial goals with understanding why a clear pricing strategy or structure is so important. Before we kick off today's interview, I want to invite our listeners to click subscribe. And now let's dive in. So hi, Larissa. Thank you so much for being here to chat with us. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Thanks again. And I know that it's very tricky. You're very busy. We're in slightly different time zones, but I think close-ish. You're over in New Zealand and I'm in Australia, so we're close-ish. It's a Monday morning, so I really appreciate you getting online to chat with us. Now, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit more about your biz and how you help other people in their biz? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I am a qualified stylist. And uh, not long after qualifying, I took the crazy leap at uh, 20 to open my first salon and uh, started with me and one other team member. And slowly over the years, I grew that salon to uh, the most I had at any given time was 30. And uh, 20 years on, uh, I decided I turned 40 and I the business turned 20 and I just decided it was time to do something else. We had sort of reached, we were about to clock over the $2 million turnover mark and I had an amazing team, but I had a young family and I'd achieved all the things that I'd wanted to achieve. It was time to, well, at the time it was either to replicate, have multiple sites or go and do something different. So... I uh, freelanced for a while, but I ultimately ended up working in salon software. And in my career, I've worked for three salon software companies. And uh, while I was working for Timely Salon Software, I was in a position to see, uh, I, well, I had always educated through L'Oreal or various different companies, Matrix, doing education. But in my time at Salon Software, I really saw the industry from a different perspective and saw how many business owners were hurting and finding business hard, just like I had when I was younger and trying to grow my business. And I really, uh, I guess, saw a need initially in the sales and marketing space, uh, but then later a need for business owners, sell on business owners to really step into their role as the business owner and separate themselves from the stylist or even the manager at times and really step into their power as the as what I now call the salon CEO. Um, so I guess because we're so emotionally attached to our business, as was I, and until we can separate that a little bit, we don't make good logical business decisions. Instead, we make emotive decisions. So I felt, uh, I guess, compelled to step into the industry and I started Salon Owners Collective uh, to help salon owners really take their power back and in, in growing their business. And that and that's me. That brings me to today. So it's been uh, four and a half years now. Four and a half years. And to help hairdressers make less emotional choices. And as an industry, we are known for being, you know, artistic and emotional. But to I'm really interested for today's conversation to learn more about how you help 
salon owners feel empowered and to also start with something as strong a theme as pricing. And and I know that this goes into so much more. What you do with businesses and salon owners goes so, so much deeper than pricing. But I thought that this could be a really good first conversation that we have in this podcast is to talk really about pricing because that can also be where it starts as well for many hairdressers if they're becoming a freelancer or if they're working in a team and they don't really understand why it's so important and perhaps they give a little special extra bonus for free to certain people like it it would just be really great for us to get clarity around how much that can be costing us and what are you what's Let's kick off into our first question around like how would you suggest to even begin creating a price structure or how how would you price perhaps for a new colour technique? What are the considerations? Yeah, I, I guess um, the first thing that I want to sort of point mm. out is the how. How should we come about that? And I am a true believer in knowing your costs or your break-even um how much does it cost you to run your business? Uh, and if you're freelancing or renting a chair and you're you're basically running your own micro business, it's the same. You need to know what it costs to show up on, on an hourly basis. And the really important thing too is that one of those costs is the cost of you. Do you know, your, your own wages, um, your own, um, and if you've got a team, you know, what would you be commercially what would you commercially pay a manager if you're if you're playing the manager's role? And as a business owner, you take the risk of uh, setting up your own business and whatever whatever capacity um, that person that hat that you wear took a, a an, had an entrepreneurial moment and took a risk in setting up a business, and that person needs a return on the investment that they've made. And in a commercial environment in any other industry those jobs and roles get recognized and get remunerated um, and somehow that falls off when we step into our own business because it's just us uh, appreciating ourselves there's nobody else to give us that structure and so I think we need to set it up for ourselves so as much as we need to know how much it costs per hour to show up how much does the product cost how much are we paying in rent what are all the costs associated for that and then add on top of that what do we need to get paid and so the first thing is well we, if we were working for somebody else um, how much would we get paid what is the commercial rate for a stylist so that you would get paid as a stylist and then as the manager or as the CEO or the person that made the investment what return do you want on that and we need to add that in and know what that is on an hourly basis um, and then set your prices based on that hourly rate and it might surprise you how high that number is and I think that's where we fall down as we get too again emotionally involved or connected about our money story and, and whether or not we feel that we are worth this amount um, so I think that's kind of the beginning of where we, we if we get derailed that might be where it is but that's the simple formula of how we should set the pricing um, and then my other my other thought around that is that uh, give or take um, the odd price variation in terms of what it costs per service. I actually believe in the in the more you can standardize and simplifies simplify your pricing, the better. Like 
um, when you confuse your customer, you lose. You want to make it really easy to do business with you. And so if you have, we, we used to do color collections. Every season would come out with a new collection of styles and shapes and colors. But all of them were the same price. So it didn't matter if you had this technique or that technique. We, they were all set at the same price. And so our clients knew that when they came for a color, this is how much it cost, except for a couple of variations, you know, if, they were, if it was extreme for whatever reason. But even that was standardized. It was one price for uh, the majority of things, and then there was an exceptional price. Does that make sense? Because once, once you start having so many variable prices, um, your customer gets confused and lost in, the, in, in all of the different pricing and the menus and, the, um, and when you confuse, you actually lose. Yeah, I think, thank you so much. I think that is very helpful and I really liked that you touched on something around having some new... Um, whether they're like a fashionable, we've got a summer collection of new foil techniques and then that gets removed. Something that really was a bit of a light bulb going off for me, which could be such a fantastic thing to teach both in salons or if I'm going out and teaching a colour collection, that's something I've just learned from you that you could say, oh, look, we, we have three new fashion things. It could be a styling, a, a colour, a new fringe shape, whatever it is for your salon team, but that they are still within a structure of the pricing. They just have a different name. And so they might become a new technique that is creatively stimulating and creatively some new conversation to be keeping your clients excited and to keep the team excited because they're buzzing around perhaps at the moment curtain fringes and face framing are both really popular but really if you break it down to how much time that curtain fringe doesn't take any longer than any other fringe shape really so it could be a more standardized pricing I think that would be yeah it's such a a clear way of explaining it and something that was new for me and I've been hairdressing for more than 20 years was that I understand around the product and the cost per hour um, and that there should be a wage or a salary that you're aiming for, but that there is that little bit more from that because you also want a return from the business and it leads into, you know, what the profit's going to be and why, you know, knowing your why and believing that you should be or could be earning more. So, it's a really exciting beginning to this conversation and I love that there's the formula as well. So I think myself, I know, and many listeners will have gotten so much from that. And why why is it important to have a simplified um, price list and and is it something that you would have, uh, you know, for a hair salon, I personally am a specialist so I've got from a colouring point of view, I've got variations, but it could be perhaps balayage, full head, half head, or it could be long hair, short hair, different pricing around that, which is minimal, but it does help me with time allocations. With styling, I know there's more variables and I don't know if you know, but I'm an ambassador for the dress code project here in Australia, which is all around gender-free pricing. That can be a whole sort of, you know, another another conversation. And that's a, a movement that is happening with more inclusivity needed, I think, in our industry. But 
what is the main reason that you believe it's important or you from experience know that it's important to have a structured and clear price list? Well, uh, it's an interesting topic. I think first and foremost, you can't sell a secret. Like (laughs) how else are your, your, your prospective and existing clients to know one, what you do, two, how much of an investment that they need to put aside to be able to do business with you. Um, you can't sell a secret. And so imagine going to a restaurant and you sat at the table and they came and said, well, what would you like? You said, well, what is there? <laughs> do you know? You need you need to be able to uh, articulate to your clients what, um, what it is that you do and how much it costs. And I think the thing that we forget is that there's this whole journey that happens for clients before they get to us in the chair. We're used to them in the chair and we have the conversation. But what about when they're deciding whether or not you will be the service provider for them? What about when they're uh, stalking your website or stalking you online? How will they know if you're the business for them? Because there are a lot of considerations. There's um, do they... Do they know, like, and trust you? Do they like the look of you or your team? Do they trust that you've got the technical skill to be able to do that? Um, Do they know your area of expertise? Is it easy to park and get physically get to you? And are you in the right price range? And I think it's really important that uh, not only do we want them to know the services that we do and how we do business, that we do packages or that we do colour extensions or all of these things that we do um, but people have their own bias about their own or their own brand alignment or spending habits so for example it's a good way to think about it if we take it into another industry and say most of us could take a makeup or skincare brand and say we are this and we're not that so for example if we took Lancome, um, Maybelline uh, let's go Lancome, L'Oreal and Maybelline just as sort of three brands so Lancome you say was top top end uh, they're the more expensive, the more exclusive product. L'Oreal's just somewhere in the middle and maybe Maybelline's at the bottom. I don't know, there's probably lots of examples I could use, but that's just what I can think of now. Um, and um, people who buy Lancome will not buy Maybelline. Like they just won't do that. And so when you uh, are brand positioning, they look at the look, at the, the aesthetic of your brand, the, the you know, the, the results that you do, and they align that to their brand alignment, but they also do that with price. And so, you know, there's no right that you're cheap or that you're expensive or that you're in the middle because there's a market for all of those. You just need to be clear who who you are and make sure that you're consistent between your brand look and your brand price and all of those, those touch points um, because your customers will be judging you on that and making their buying decision upon that. And so if you're on the higher end, expensive end, you will attract a certain type of client. If you're on the lower end, you'll attract a different type of client who have, and both will have different uh, things that are important to them. Does that make sense? You, you might assume that the people that want the more expensive brand and align themselves with more expensive brands probably are after a more luxury experience. Maybe they want to take their time to do things. Uh, this is not mutually exclusive, but is more likely. And the people that want the cheaper, maybe the, the, the things that are important to them are different. Maybe they do have the time or maybe they don't have the time. They want, they don't, maybe they don't want complicated color techniques and they just want to be in and out super quick. So understanding who our, our target demographic is and then pricing accordingly is just as important as 
pricing accordingly for our own break-even and profit, um, you know, and hourly rate. Does that does that help, Christina? It absolutely helps. And I think um, telling a parallel story to makeup or to cosmetics is something that's very relatable. And I know I have one Maybelline mascara <laughs> because I love it, <laughs> but, and it works. Um, and I like the colour of the packaging. However, that's the only thing I have of that. And my other you know, skincare and makeup is more prescriptive because I have a middle-aged skin now and need things that are different. And, and I think that is a really great story around making sense of where clients are coming from. And I also think to get to know what your demographic is and to be able to speak to them is something that when we as business owners or salon owners or hairdressers that are starting to run their own chair, even if that's you're working in a, in a commission salon and you're a newly qualified senior hairdresser, you're striving to get that commission, is to really understand what your strengths are but also to ask clients, you know, what are you seeking? And that might be twice a year. You might perhaps say, oh, look, do you really love all these teas that we have here? Or do you like to come in on a Saturday and when the music's pumping? And do you like to spend a long time here? Or or just to ask a few different questions around that to be clear on what they actually are seeking. Because I know I've got quite a few clients, they'll come for corrective colour, major colour changes, and they're aware that that'll take longer but for their maintenance I've got some clients and this might shock people that are really happy to come in for their color they get a fabulous color but they might leave with it wet or they just quickly blast dry the very front to check the tone and then off they go because they know trust and their time poor they may be mothers they might be business owners and they know that I run on time and if I'm any more than 10 minutes late I'll message them And they appreciate that and they don't get discounted for leaving with wet hair. We don't obviously charge them for a blow dry, but I don't minimise their colour experience, whereas other hairdressers would find that perhaps a bit shocking. But it's clients that that is part of the service that they're wanting. And we do also have others that want to stay and get the the full blow dry and we take loads of photos with their permission and, and have that as well. But I... What I'm thinking is that really important after what you just shared is that we really need to know what those clients are wanting as well and what their experience is that they're seeking and not just to assume something. Would that be a good understanding? Yeah, for sure. And then, and I, and I think price appropriately because your price point will attract more clients alike. So if you're at the, you know, if you're pricing at the upper end of the market, then you're going to attract that certain type of client. And so when you're choosing your price point and you're clear about who it is that you want to attract, you need to price appropriately because if you want, uh, let's just say, you know, the client who's going to pay more, um, then having cheap price, you know, the, the type of client who's going to pay more and you want that type of client, then putting your prices or feeling bad about pricing or discounting or even having a, 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 a cheaper price list is not going to achieve the goal that you're after, in fact. So I think it's know your demographic and then know what it is that they want and they look for. Like I know I will buy at certain brands because I love that brand and the quality of the clothes um, and I'll pay the price for it because I know that. 
And so I tend not to go to any more. I used to when I was younger, you know, the uh, cheaper brands with because the T-shirts last, you know, uh, three months. And when I was younger, I'd love that because I'd love buying new ones. Now I'm older. I want I want a T-shirt to last for a long time. So I'm prepared to spend $200 on a T-shirt because it will last me five years. So when you know your uh, demographic, you can price appropriately and then it attracts more clients alike. And it also repels the clients that you don't want also. And I think that's a good thing. Do you know if you've got clients in your chair, they're like, oh, my God, I do not like doing Jane. I wish you'd go away. And I've got a whole bunch of them. Well, put your price up and get rid of them. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry. We're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But... You're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here ways to serve your clients make more because everybody wins the team the client and of course you the business owner now if you want to find out more just dm me uh, and let's chat i'll make a plan for you i'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode all right let's get back to the episode I did that a couple of I did that a couple of years ago. I had I'm sure we all have a few of these people in our books. You see their name and you start getting that hot uncomfortable feeling or you're dreading it or the night before you mm-hmm. think oh they're in and I had to learn the hard way with a couple of people who'd followed me for a long time and they'd moved I don't tend to sell on hop so I've I've worked in places for 7 years or for you know usually around 5 or 6 years and then the progression is to move to the next step of my career so some people who'd gone to a few places had been with me for quite quite a while and there was one client who just made it very uncomfortable and difficult to ever raise the price. She then started having a double application colour and she then started asking to get her eyebrows done and she wanted all sorts of different add-ons. And I I used to get really bothered about it. She became more and more demanding and I realised I'd actually lost control of this situation and she rebooked from January to December and she got was getting exactly what she wanted and as uncomfortable as it was what I actually did was raised her price and I said now I've I've been um, keeping you on this but I just I've done the numbers and if you're wanting this service I sent it out as a Christmas email actually which is maybe a bit cheeky but thank you so much for another great year just letting you know that moving forward into the next year Um, these are the services that you have been having. This is what they are um, charged as. And there has been a bit of a, uh, you know, a reshuffle, or I may not have used that word, but there's going to be an increase to reflect the number of years and my service level and so on, something along those lines. And I literally increased it by 60% because that's what other people were paying for it. And I thought she can either come in for the full price, I won't feel resentful, I won't feel panicky when I'm running late for her and she's not getting what she 
was demanding and she did reply with, there's no way I can afford to come in every six weeks to have that done. So I think that was a time for me to either give in, but I wrote back, perhaps we could see you every eight weeks. Um, I'm no longer able to do it at that price. And I really stuck with it and I lost her as a client, but I kept a couple of her closer friends and I felt such a relief because I, when I realised the numbers and knew my numbers, it removed the emotion and I thought, oh, my God, I've been charging her the same prices from eight years ago but my products have gone up and all of these things. So I think really removing the emotion sometimes or looking at it, is it because they're difficult or is it because you're not making profit from it and you're sort of losing the power, it was a really big lesson for me and I was okay for her not to come back because I just couldn't do it and in in her place I've since had several new wonderful clients come in that are much easier to please and you know they're, they're open to paying the prices they're guided by what services they need and that's really how I want to operate I know that we're all different but some people can really make this really difficult which which also leads me to another another question is how to effectively, now it's not for everyone, you shouldn't really send out a Christmas email to say, guess what, my prices have gone up 60%. I did want to effectively get rid of that client and I'm just sharing that as a story because we probably all got someone difficult. But how would you suggest for hairdressers when it's time to effectively have a price increase? Yeah, good question. Um, my answer is pretty simple. I'm all about keeping things simple and not, not overcomplicating them. I think um, you decide the date and you know change it in the software if that's your role or, or however you 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 uh, you do it. Change it on the website and or on your socials. Uh, and on day one, a little sign at reception and tell them quite simply, uh, Jane. I've had a price adjustment letting you know today is going to be new amount. Um, Today is going to be $90. Okay, great. And then I think don't apologize it. Just own it. Let them know the new price and move on to the rebooking. Like I, I don't pause. I don't apologize for it. I don't give them any warning. Now, when you do it that way, because you you stand with your shoulders back and own it with confidence, Jane just letting you know today is going to be 90. I've had a, a price adjustment. Today is going to be $90. Let's go ahead and book your next appointment and expect her to hand the card and carry on. Like no excuses, no apologies, just moving forward. Now, there's a sign at reception, price adjustment effective of first of whatever the date it was, just if you need it to let anybody know and they can kind of see it out of the corner of their eye. Now, when you do that, and I've done this, I've been in business 20 years, so I've done this 20 times, um, I can count always on my hand the number of people that will have an objection five at most and you just be prepared for those five and I'll tell you how to be prepared for those five that do complain someone says oh I don't have enough money on me or I hadn't budgeted for that or whatever the excuses so never mind no problem we'll just do it the the old price today's $80 for today uh, and you'll know for next time take the $80 move on and she'll know for next time the end that is simple it's so simple. I think we get too caught up in, so you know, why and giving them reasons why, you know, we haven't had a, I've heard some some horrendous stories, you know, we haven't had a price year, price increase for five years and our product gone up and all sorts of 
crazy stories that actually is not relevant to the client. And I think, why apologize for something that's actually, it's, do you know, like when you go to a restaurant, they don't warn you in advance when their price puts up, it goes up. When you go to McDonald's and they put the burger up, they don't warn you in advance. They just do it and you just pay the price and you get on with it. Um, you've got a backup plan for anyone who objects and says they hadn't budgeted for it or whatever it was. Um, and then it's actually up to them if they come back in the future or not. Now, the great thing is when you do the math, if you put the pri- if you put your price up enough, when you do the math, if you lose, uh, if you lose a small number of customers, I, I forget the exact number now. I've done the math on this. Um, yeah, I, I sorry, I, f- I forget the exact number, but let's say you lose ten percent of your customers. Um, the price increase will actually make up for any loss of customers that you make. So even if you get no more customers, you're going to make the same amount of money with slightly less work. So there's no downside here. That's a really great um, shift, I think, for people in their beliefs to think that if you're going to lose a couple of people and in your experience you would say no more than five. And there there will always be a few people that act shocked or they reject the idea and and you've now shared the plan for that. You can say, okay, well, this will be this today. So that way there's no uncomfortable, you know, reaction. The hairdresser themselves is prepared with a retort or a professional quick response, but they're not stepping down. Okay, fair enough, but then next time. So we've got a game plan. But I think that also to understand that a few people not coming back is also going to be okay because you will have slightly longer for maybe more complex colours or whether you're, um, you know, a specialist or you love doing major restyles. So maybe now you can start half an hour earlier each morning but you're doing less clients and you have space every day for a restyle at the beginning of your day and that's what really gets your creative juices going. Like whatever it is that you're seeking, Losing a few clients if you're getting a price list increase really shouldn't be the thing that's blocking you from scaling your biz because ultimately that's the only thing that is going to really scale your profits. Is that is that right? Or it's it's also tied around product company increases and things like that. Is it a little bit more complicated or do you tend to say you should do it when your product company increases their prices or once a year? Like, is there a guideline that you suggest when salons should consider doing a price list increase? Well, I think at a minimum it needs to be annually because uh, the price of inflation is 2 or 3%. And so if you put your price up 2 or 3% every year, you are standing still in terms of the cost of living and the cost of all of the things around you. So, you know, putting it up 2 or 3% once a year is just a, a flat line. It's a straight line. There's no change in your business. That's just you keeping up. Uh, so you really need to consider more than that. Uh, for sure. And for some people, you know, some people need to put their prices up 10%. And some of you probably know who you are. (laughs) You just need to be brave enough to do it and be okay with the odd person not coming back. Um, But, you know, uh, it needs to be regular. Um, Should you wait for a company? I don't love the excuse of 
the company put it up, so I'm putting it up. I think put it up because you're worth putting it up and you're running your own race and run your own business and put it up. We used to put it up uh, October every year uh, and that was kind of like the pre-seed up to Christmas uh, and that's when we put our prices up. And if the company, uh, because we did it regularly, if our product supply company put their prices up, meanwhile, there was enough fat in it for us to uh unless it was major, uh, was there was enough fat in it for us to survive until until our um, next price increase. Periodically, though, we just put colour prices up and not because we actually changed colour company. Uh, and one, we changed the colour company, so there was a big hike in price, and we so we put our colour, we didn't do cut and colour price increase. Halfway through the year, we just did our colour uh, price, price increase. And then this, the other time that we broke the once-a-year rule was when we changed from uh, ammonia colour to non-ammonia colour and there was, you know, there was a significant change in the product and the story behind the product and the brand that we're using and the sustainable story, then we kind of made a big a big to-do about it and it was quite exciting. And so all of that wrapped together gave us the ability to put our colour prices up um, and then just stick to the annual uh, annual increase. Which you've touched on some really creative ways of supporting it it really does help because I I know that different salons when there was that new technology that came through for ammonia free that was a really big story and that was also a really big story and consumer driven requests when Olaplexes hit the market and that is something that a lot of clients will have is an Olaplex, Curaplex, any of the Plex um, family and they will, without thinking about it, pay anywhere between $50 to $70 depending on what salon you're in for that treatment. So there are different things that come out in our industry that are shared in Instagram or social media or there's this drive from the consumers but it's also supported by hairdressers sharing their brand story, philosophy, what is so great about their products, why you don't necessarily get that in another salon's experience, but more positively, I think, framing it around, we choose to invest in, uh, let's say it's an ethical choice. It could be that it's vegan. That could be part of your demographic is that you want to have vegan hair colours, vegan hair products. It could be a price point. It could be that they have the best long-lasting, shiny, grey coverage colours. So telling the story that that client ideally wants to hear and wants to invest in I think is a really great creative point to share your brand and share your why and to not be just sitting on that level of inflation because that's standing still. That's a pretty big, um, that's a really clear indicator of where to go. And I, I also love that you shared not to wait for the product company to do it because somewhere along the way in many of us in our careers, we've heard, oh, the, the prices are going up. Now we'll have to put our prices up. And it's this belief system that perhaps doesn't serve us anymore and to just look at what we're offering and that we are worth it and our services need to go up it doesn't have to be correlating one doesn't have to equal the other so I think that's a really you've shared something that you can aim to do annually but also shared the variables if if major key players like brands or a new treatment or a new straightening 
you know, um, iron or whatever the service is comes out, that that could be a time to have a mini like a segment or, or an area that's just your styling gets increased or something. So that was really, really helpful. Um, and I think that will help so many hairdressers as well just to feel, oh, what a relief. Like if there's enough of an increase and then your products go up a little bit, it actually doesn't have that emotional reaction anymore because you've already factored that in. I think that's why, you know, we come back to the point, the first point, how do we price? When we actually price it to not just be on the on our bare bones, that we don't just price the, the cost of everything plus our hourly rate, for example, and go, okay, uh, and, you know, we're, we're minimalizing it as much as possible and there's no fat in it to just prepare for what's coming next, whether that's COVID, whether that's price increases, whether that's a change of supplier. You know, we need to have the fat in our business, not because we're greedy pigs and want to have the fat for ourselves, but because we're sensible, um, responsible business owners. It's our responsibility to the stakeholders of our business. Do you know whether that's uh, our responsibility to be able to bring money home and feed our family, whether that's um, we have a team that we're responsible to. It's our responsibility to be, to, you know, do a good business and have enough fat to ride all the bumps in business. We have a, a responsibility to our clients that we're going to be open for business next time they come. So, and I think we forget that. We do get too caught up in minimalizing everything and making sure it's as lean as possible for the customer. Um, and we actually put ourselves and everybody else at risk. It's a very important consideration. It is all of our team and that can be for people with families who their team is at home and also for single people that are independent that they have enough for just not not just now but that they're working towards their bright future as well so to have I am liking the um, extra fat on that's a really good phrase a fat Um, price list a fat (laughs) price list I like that I'm going to, after our conversation, review my service menu that I have. I, I updated on my website and and regularly try to, you know, make sure that things are very transparent because people can stalk me, they can Google me, they can look at reviews and they can also reach out and get a bit of a price quote. I offer consultations and things as well, not just um, giving them a price that's set because it can be a bit variable but I'm loving that um in my next update it'll be a fat price list mm-hmm. because it really makes sense so I think we have to put a ph in front of that fat price like list fat. yeah like fat <laughs> so good um now, something that I think I see and I try not to get too involved in Facebook community groups for hairdressers but I'm a member in a couple I'm sure we all are they can be great for support They can also be really interesting to find, um, you know, new ideas and things. But I think something that I see all the time is about hairdressers often either complaining or they've had somebody demanding a discount and it's almost like the hairdresser becomes, you know, a hostage. And why I say I'm careful in these groups is it can be a bit of a rabbit hole if, if you go in and start replying or commenting on these things, it doesn't necessarily ever lead anywhere that positive and it can be a bit distracting and it, it it's almost like misery attracts more misery and people start laying on more layers of things when this happened to them. But, but it does remind me that 
discounting is something that hairdressers often feel pressured to do. And I think in these groups, they're looking for help from others to know how to protect themselves from it. And they get this emotional disappointment when someone demands a discount and a redo or a refund is a, is a different sort of um, thing, I think, when when people are unhappy afterwards. And that's a whole other conversation, I think. But what do you suggest for people and hairdressers out there that do struggle and do you believe that having a structured, clear price list can help you, you know, to protect yourself, I guess, from offering discounts? Yeah, I think um, to what you actually said just at the beginning right there was misery, misery attracts misery. And if you <laughs> discount attracts misery, <laughs> do you know, if you, do you know, it's the miserable clients that want the discount. And you kind of know that they're going to come, they're going to get your discount and they're going to go off to the next discount. So my advice to you is if you're dealing with clients who are demanding or demanding discounts or you feel in a discount trap, my advice to you actually is not only to stop discounting but put your price up and start attracting clients that uh, that want the good services that you have and aren't just looking for the bargain because they're typically not the quality client who really cares about their hair first, they care about the wallet first. And really for us to have a good time behind the chair, we want clients who are into their hair and their appearance and the things that we have to offer and deliver. So it could be an opportunity for a, a client switch. Actually, one of the first things that uh, when people join me in my coaching program that I put them through is a, a small program called the Attraction Formula. And it helps you get super clear on who it is that you want to attract into your business. Now, notice I said who it is that you can, not who is you can attract. Who do you want to attract? What is your area of expertise? Where does that cross over the client that you want, the expertise that you have? And how do you actually reach that person and, and talk to her in a way that that she's going to pay attention and actually come into your business. Because I think the reason I put it first is that it's the, it's the root of all of the things. If you don't get that right, then you start to end up with these problems like demanding clients uh, who want more from you than you actually can give. And one of the ways to protect yourself from that is to have your all of your prices, your price list, have it completely visible. So uh, anyone who's looking for a discount or wants a very a, a different from your price, you can you can more strongly stand behind the price that you have because it's in the public domain. This is what it is that we charge, and I guess it's letting go uh, of the emotion of of the outcome of that. When you let go of the outcome of of whether or not that client will come to you or not, then it actually frees you to be able to stick to your price because sometimes that client will not choose to come to you. Uh, and probably that's a good thing. Does that help, Christina? Yeah, that totally helps. Thank you. It's it is a thing about not being afraid of letting go. And and I've worked in various salons. We all probably have in our career. Some of them have been quite large teams. Others are more smaller boutique ones. Others are run more in a conservative way. Or others. You know, there's all different methods of communication and management, but there is a very common theme and there is that particular client or clients that are seeking the cheapest hair possible. They'll never be satisfied, um, you know, with what you do or they'll always ask just, an just another 10 foils, just another few pieces here and they'll 
pull their hair and separate it in the in the mirror and point something out. But the the chances are you can't please them. The salon down the road can't please them. That's why they're now in harassing you and their future yeah. <laughs> ones won't. So it's okay to let them go and I've learned many, many years ago, I can't control what other people are saying about me either. So if they go into another salon and talk to a hairdresser about me costing too much or me not not being able to meet their expectations, I'm so okay with that because I can't I can't change that. And, and that was a big shift for me. I, I really make it a point of trying not to let clients whinge or bitch about their last salon experience because I just don't want to buy into that. It's not a common thing that it happens, but I know some hairdressers really want to get involved in, oh, why did you leave? And I I just think it would be more positive to say, why are you seeking out a change and tell me how I can help with that and to guide it somewhere a bit more positive. So I, I think that miserable person is okay to go off and be miserable somewhere else, um, which I really like. If you have a client who's not the miserable person <laughs> and that you truly yeah. do want to uh, keep, then I think the question to ask is, what is your budget? And let's see what we can do within that. And actually ask them up front and to say, well, what are, you know, what is the budget for your uh, hair today? And whatever that budget is, then you can be creative and see if you can fit something into it. Because maybe you'd originally, maybe you think she needs a full head of highlights, but she can't afford it. Uh, maybe she can just have some face framing foils instead. And how, when you open it back into a question, is how can I serve you best given the constraints that you have? You don't have to be emotionally attached to her constraints and her budget and whether or not she can afford your full head of highlights. Just know that she's got a budget and what can you do to help her? So um, that changes the conversation a little bit and you put the onus back on her uh, and it's meaning that you're not budging your prices, you're just merely being accommodating within her budget. Being accommodating and everybody has a budget and it's a service industry and so you're asking with guidance, okay, so I think, um, you know, what is your budget? What are we working with? What's your main goal today with your hair? And then offering them a solution for that. You can always quote them for the next time and say, look, if you are wanting to achieve something that you've just showed me in these images, it would involve these three services or this one service and this is what we'd be looking at. Do you want to rebook that for six weeks' time or set a date and just to frame it like that, which actually is something that you and I spoke about when I was interviewed by you earlier this year in in your podcast for Salon Owners Collective. We spoke about consultation in depth and different options around not needing to say no and how to offer services within people's budgets, timeframes, all sorts of things. So I'm really excited to share with um, our listeners today that Larissa has given me special permission to reshare that on my channel. So I'm going to actually share two podcasts this week and the other one will be Larissa interviewing me. So I think it was a really great conversation that we had that if people are keen to learn more about, you know, consultation, quoting, when in the journey that they should start talking about pricing, it's all in that podcast. So thank you in advance for um, our listeners to be able to double dip and listen to that this week. Can you tell us a little bit more about your podcast, Salon Owners Collective? You're a very experienced podcaster and also your coaching program, 
and where where listeners can find you. Of course. So uh, you can find me on any of your favourite podcast platforms. Salon Owners Collective is uh, the name of the podcast. I have a podcast every week, uh, just as you do, Christina. So, uh, and also on the website, which is www.salonownerscollective.com, you can find the topics that you're interested in. Uh, I've sorted them out by sort of theme and topic. If you've got marketing on your mind or you've got business growth on your mind, then you can find uh, the series of podcasts that uh, are relevant for that, save you trawling through it all. Uh, So that is the podcast. Um, I work with salon owners who uh, primarily have a team and want to grow and scale their business uh, and step into the role as the salon CEO. So I have Two programs, uh, Salon Mastery helps those that have uh, a team of four or five or more um, and help you grow and scale that team and grow your business through your team rather than through you growing clientele yourself directly. Uh, And then the other program I have is Momentum and Momentum helps uh, business owners with one team member um, who want to get momentum, funnily enough, and grow, uh, start off their journey in employing people and really sort out their sales and marketing strategy so they can get that first amount of growth. So uh, I guess if you're interested and need some support, then the best place to find me actually is in Messenger. That's where I hang out most of the time and uh, we can have a chat and tell me a little bit more about your business. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll also share the links for Salon Mastery and Momentum as well as your Facebook and socials. As per usual, I always share a blog with the learning resources, which has show notes and guest links when it's an interview. And what you do is just jump onto my website and then do forward slash and the episode number. So for today's chat being episode 40, it would be www www.christinarussell.com.au forward slash 40 and I'll have some gorgeous photos of you Larissa as well as <laughs> as well as your links so people can find you but I, I think it's always good to ask a guest where they most hang out so you've just shared that that's uh, Facebook Messenger which is good to know and you, you do have an incredibly easy to navigate website um, because there's so many resources there. So jumping on there will definitely help guide you towards, you know, a more informed path around all things to do with leadership and pricing and so much more that you help people believe in themselves and know their worth. So I just wanted to recap and say Thank you so much for sharing such gems today around pricing. I know that it's a big topic and I thought if we stuck to that one thing, we could really dive deep into it. Um, So just to recap what we've covered in today's conversation, uh, all those important things like how to price, how to do it, to know your costs and your break even. And then what you had shared, which was great, was a formula, which is product and cost and cost per hour. And then to add on top of that what we need to get paid, what the commercial rate is, and then what's the return you want from your business. So that formula alone is such a gem. And then we went on to talk about why you need a price list and how you need to share it publicly at different um, touch points, whether that's your website, social media, signage, and all of those 
good places to make sure that your communication is set up visually and that clients aren't in for a, a shock. They're able to do a bit of research on you before they even get into your salon chair. We've talked about letting go of people or old belief systems that don't really serve us in our scalability or in our bright future, which I think is a really great one, not to spend too much time worrying about the negativity and to have something that's really clear around your self-worth and how often a price list increase should happen. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Larissa. And just before we wrap up, there is a past episode that could support some of these topics discussed today Um, to help you build a more profitable day that I shared back in episode 19. I chat about something called perfection point planning, which is a quick 10-minute exercise that you can do in the morning before you start your day or the night before. And you look at your clients' names and look at what you perhaps could suggest for them, whether it be retail, rebooking, certain services that may be part of your new creative menu and so on. And it's something that you can just self-track and have daily goals to try and boost your, could be profit or creative options, whatever your targets are. And it's something that I do in my salon every single day. And it's really helped me to grow both profit and creativity. So that's back in episode 19. And my goal with this episode today, talking to Larissa, was to provide helpful, educational and inspirational conversations for hairdressers and salon owners. I want hairdressers to listen to this episode and to believe in their own value and to know how to charge for their skills. So if you know a hair industry friend that would love this interview with Larissa and could benefit from learning more about these topics, please let them know to check out Colour Christina Talks podcast, episode 40. And before we wrap up, Larissa, have you got one final point or something that you would like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, My parting thoughts are put your prices up. (laughs) I want to encourage you to work smarter and not harder. Uh, Improve the quality of your clients, improve the quality of your time you spend in your business. So go ahead, be confident, put your price up. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got lots out of uh, my chat with the lovely Christina from Colour Christina Talks podcast. All right, don't forget to join my free Salon Success Facebook group if you are not already. Uh, come and join this awesome community of salon and spa owners just like you. That's right, you no longer need to feel alone in business ownership. Certainly something that I felt for a long time. So don't stay there any longer. Come and hang out with us. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes below. Uh, Otherwise, I look forward to tuning in again with you same time, same place next week. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.